consistent self-improvement, everybody. You are now listening to American Gypsy Podcast. I am your host, Classic, and I'm here with my co-host. Gypsy, and today we have Mayara Sousa, and she is a sound therapist and holistic wellness practitioner. Welcome to the podcast, Mayara. Welcome. Thank you, guys. Thank you for inviting me, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here. To get started, I'd like to ask, where are you from? I can hear your accent and your voice for yeah. our listeners. I was raised in Brazil. I moved to America 11 years ago. Okay. What part of Brazil? Um, southeast, the state is Minas Gerais. It's kind of like close to Sao Paulo and Rio, which is, you know, the states that most people here know. But I'm not on the coast. I'm in the mountains which is cool. You know, the mountains are cool too. It would be nice to be by the coast though, but oh well. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I've been to Brazil. I had an um, exchange student when I was in middle school. Nice. I had one in high school as well. Yeah, but I had a, little, I had a chance to go to um, Brazil for about a month. I went to- Where'd you go? Araras, if I'm correct. Araras. Araras, yeah. yeah. A little city, pretty clean. Um, I think yeah. it was- west of Sao Paulo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I know what I That's nice. What did you think of it? I loved it. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I was 15 at the time. I, I had a ball. Go. Yeah, <laughs> I had a lot of fun. It was a lot of good memories. Um, my exchange brother that lived with us, he was actually in college when I went to live, well, when I went to um, Brazil. So okay. he wasn't necessarily there. So it was it was a little you know, different. I did a lot of things on my own, kind of um, walked around a lot and stuff like that. But we still had some fun and stuff like that. Yeah. Could you talk to people? Did you speak a little bit of Portuguese? I picked up a little bit of the you know the basics from you know oi to the bone and over the uh-huh. and you know some of the things while I was there. But I haven't necessarily hasn't. I didn't pick up a lot of other languages basically. After, right. Just only some of the the basics. Mm-hmm. I mean, enough to get you by. <laughs> yeah, but I did, you know, I walked around Aradas a lot by myself, so, and did shopping, so it was, it didn't stop me from doing anything, yeah. That's good, good, good. I, I love it. People are fun, people are, like, warm and friendly, usually, so it, it is fun, it's a good time. Yeah, and I had a family while I was there, so mm-hmm. it was a lot different, it was pretty warm. There you go. It was baby. We did get a chance to visit um, Rio. You know, and you didn't? We did. We did. Oh, yeah. nice. No, yeah. that's good. Rio is gorgeous. Yeah, you got to stop by when you go to Brazil, man. <laughs> that's for sure. It was an amazing experience at the big coconut. I remember the picture that I took. I still had on the high school shirt, but I don't uh-huh. have that picture. But yeah. <laughs> Actually, when we when right before everything shut down here in LA, uh, we were on our way. We just planned a trip to uh, go to Sao Paulo, yeah, in Brazil, and so then everything the- shut down. <laughs> oh, you guys couldn't go. No. Yeah. Oh man. Well, now everything is opening up again. Time to plan again. <laughs> and my my Brazilian brothers still tell me, you know, it's time for you to come. It's time for you to come. Yeah. We're yeah, different. it seems like things are opening up again. It seems like it's more fine to do the international, at least like South America. I have some friends going to South America. It seems like they are having no trouble. Okay. Yeah. So what brought you to the States? Oh my gosh. Like 
I think since I could speak, I would say that I would move here someday. <laughs> but it's, it's the memory that I have from childhood. Like, so I came from a rough background. Like my childhood was very difficult. And I remember that like I would watch the movies from here, you know, and have the influence from here. And I would like always talk about it. I want to leave there someday. And people would laugh and like, no, that's not happening. It's too difficult and this and that. And, you know, and I, I was always like, there's, there was this voice within me kind of like, no, I think I can make it happen. You know, like <laughs> I'll keep working on it. And eventually I came on my mid twenties. I tried the visa several times, actually. Like when I was a teenager, I was working, I would save the money, go to the consulate, try the visa and just wouldn't happen until I was on my mid twenties. And then it's when I finally came, but it was like, it was kind of like a concept present in my mind since I can remember. <laughs> I think that was the same for me. I grew up in Ethiopia early okay. childhood and always wanted to come to America because I loved movies and everything. Was it what you expected when you got here? Was it easy to um, adjust? It actually was. Yeah, I want to say like on the beginning when I first showed up, it was pretty much like what I was expecting. Like we came in March and we came to Boston. So it was like the first time that we saw snow and it was like a lot of snow all over the place. So that was, you know, that magical thing. Oh my gosh, it's so different. It was so white and clean and beautiful. Um, yeah, people were friendly in the area we were at. Um, I taught myself English in the first year so I could, you know, go and work and communicate and do things. So yeah, I want to say it was pretty much kind of like I was expecting it to be. Yeah, I felt welcome. I did though, like my mindset was kind of like screwed up. I was like addicted to alcohol and everything. So I was doing my own things to try to fit in, but I don't feel like there was too much like pressure of my environment. I feel like that was my stuff. You know, I was pressuring myself to fit in. I was like straightening my hair. I had colored contacts. You know, I was like trying to do everything to kind of like look alike and, and fit in and kind of like just be part of something, right? And then as the years went by and stuff, I was like, you know, I don't need to do none of it. But anyways, the point is that I don't feel like there was pressure from my environment. I feel like it was my own, you know, demons and my own stuff that I was carrying within. Right. More the ego, I guess. Yeah. And because of my, like some of the stuff that has happened in my childhood, that fear of not being accepted, you know, the, the insecurities and all that stuff kind of like flourishing and me trying to like, like I said, the ego part of me trying to press myself of like, you know, you got to look like them so you can fit in, so you can be accepted. It's just yeah. silly. Yeah, it's hard when it's, you know, in real time world, you know, so it's, you, you, you just don't know until you learn and develop and, you know, you realize, okay, certain things that you may have had to do then and just now you don't have to do it. So yeah, that's right. Not, not too sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, I talk about the alcohol in this way, you know, like the, some people it's like, because I was like dependent on it for so many years, it could, I could have kind of that hate relationship to it now that I don't use it anymore. But to me, it's kind of like, I'm grateful for it because if it wasn't there when I needed it, 
God knows what, what I would have done to cope. You know what I mean? At least it was just alcohol. And then, you know, it kind of got me through some years and then I got rid of it. So it's like, I don't have that, you know, hate it, uh, you know, I know it's not good for me now, but back then it was the best that I could do with what I had. So it's all good growing every day. <laughs> My dad's been sober for about 20 years. I th- is it about 20 years? Maybe about 10, in between 10 to 20 years now for a while. And mm-hmm. it's been um, as far as a, a different thing with, for him, you know, especially because the, the first half or before that it was a thing. But I also know that after learning as an adult about his life and him growing up, that alcohol is probably the reason why only his face is gray and his most of his head is still black hair at the age of 70. And it could be those little things. And he has a still, you know, still as kind as can be, but under having a better understanding now as an adult, even learning about his childhood and how different he was raised versus how we were raised and the things that he went through from, you know, his, his real dad died when he was two, my grandfather died when he was two years old. So it was, it was the complete different type of thing he had to grow up with that may have led to him drinking. And, you know, like I say, he's 20, almost 15 and 20 years sober now. And hair is not gray. He still has his kind heart is, you know, just as kind as ever was never an angry a drinker. It was just something that he had then to get him through that certain mm-hmm. low vibration. And if he may not have had that, or even like you said, if you may not have had that, your body may have reacted differently and could have heart attack or nervous breakdown or something like that. You never quite know when dealing yeah. with that type of you know stress or anything like that. Yeah. And it totally resonates. My father passed when I was four. And that's the thing. He had a heart attack and he was an alcoholic. Uh, so that that is the thing that initiated my whole healing process so he was 37 when he had a heart attack and passed like a very violent aggressive alcoholic i started drinking i was like 12 13 because of the the rough childhood so my mom had to travel travel to raise me and my two brothers so there wasn't a lot of structure in the house so she didn't really know that I had started like so early. I started with alcohol and cigarettes very early. And so when I got here, I was still drinking. I was still very dependent on alcohol, drinking every day, drinking during the day. People didn't know I would do, you know, the Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks cup type of thing. And people had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, because I, I was always like bubbly and, you know, upbeat type of thing. So people had no idea like when I had some drinks and when I didn't. Um, so at, when I started, after I got here, after a few years, when I was getting closer to 30 is where everything started clicking. I was like, well, he was in his 30s and the alcohol and, you know, bad food and cigarettes and all that stuff. He had a heart attack. I was like, but by what I learned in school, I've got the genes. So I started getting scared, you know, and that same little voice that was, you know, I want to say like when I was a kid was telling me like, yeah, you can move that. Even though nobody believes it, if you believe it, you'll get there someday. It it was kind of the same little voice on on that. Like you keep doing the same things that your father used to do. 
result, you know, could be the same. And I was four when he passed. When we moved here to America, my daughter was three. So after a few years of this, I started like becoming scared of this. So I did my research on this, on like heart condition, you know, the genetics of it. Do I have a way around it? Like, can I do anything? And so it, my biggest aha was that like, yes, we inherit the genes. That's right. Uh, and they are there kind of like dormant. Mm -hmm. But the thing was that, that they were talking about on the research was that we inherit the same lifestyle as our parents, our grandparents, and then we turn on the genes the same they did. So we develop the same conditions that they did because we're eating the same stuff. We're doing pretty much the same stuff. You can see how we inherit like the lifestyle to a T, right? Mm -hmm. So learning that it was the biggest aha that I could have. I was like, okay, so now I can figure out how to change lifestyle and do things differently than my dad. I will still carry the gene, but I don't need necessarily to turn it on. So mm -hmm. I started researching that, how to get out of alcohol, you know, eat better, and everything and one of the first things that i came across was meditation so i started meditating and then everything else started showing up all the other practices that i do change eating habits and everything and i started becoming like calmer and calmer and calmer eventually i came across meditations that helped me with the alcohol get rid of it so it's like what triggered everything was exactly what you're talking about it was kind of like well my father lived this life it didn't last him very long i'm living the exact same like, you know, am I going to play smarter here or go down the same path? It is scary. And a lot of times it is, you know, the environment and certain stress situations that bring out those dormant genes, at least those negative dormant genes. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've never, I've, I can't say I've, you know, I did drink and I, I haven't, I think I did a little cutoff point not too long ago. So I'm going on like a no alcohol thing for a while, but it's not necessarily getting drunk, but it's just maybe a margarita every once in a while. Yeah. Even for me, I kind of always had in the back of my mind that, okay, it's not, I didn't want to look at it like a strength, like, okay, my dad is a drinker, so I'm a drinker as well. Mm. But I never quite gravitated to alcohol in a um, stress relief kind of way, smoking wise, marijuana wise more, but mm -hmm. I didn't gravitate towards, I guess, alcohol like my father did. And it's, it's a it's a difference. You know? And it's actually in his family as well. He does come from a family of drinkers as well. Mm -hmm. I, people, I can say my, I, I'm the youngest of, of, of four or what youngest of five. I have four other siblings. Mm -hmm. And I can't say alcohol is the, the same amongst my siblings. So That's it's not necessarily something that hit our generation my mother's never been a drinker um so but even i could say a separate from alcohol i could say that the heart attack thing has still be there without the alcohol stress in certain genes mm -hmm. it doesn't even necessarily require excessive drinking to bring out that you know, it could be bad diet or environment stress and things like that that can yeah. trigger those types of those things yeah yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of layers that could, you know, influence how the genes are turned on and off. That's why I did this whole kind of like holistic style of research on like, how do I change my diet? How do I change my mental state? You know, how do I change my environment? I'm really big into the environment, like really, even like 
if there's something that says something that's negative, I try to eliminate it from my environment because I know my peripheral vision is seeing it all the time. So mm -hmm. it's like I try to catch all the layers and try to make all the little changes that I could, not coming from a place of like, you know, psychosis, you know, like, oh my gosh, he had a heart attack. Not really, but mostly because like, I wanted to get rid of alcohol. That was my main thing because I was kind of like him. I was a stressed out alcoholic you know what I mean like I would drink and I would kind of lose my patience and be more mm -hmm. agitated and everything so I wanted to be calmer and not have to depend on alcohol and so uh, finding that is where I found everything else so I mean it was just like add up you know but I totally agree with you like there's you know different layers of things that could come and and turn on those 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 genes that's for sure uh, i i believe that like the stress is like a huge thing that doesn't matter what kind of stress physical mental psychological um it, it can the emotional stress oh my gosh like the 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 researchers are showing a whole bunch of that like how the emotional stress the stagnated emotions are you know turning on genes and people developing diseases and stuff coming from stress so yeah, there's a lot of layers to look at for sure. When you quit um, drinking or even cigarettes, was it abrupt or was it a gradual slowing down? So that's interesting. Um, when I got, I got pregnant, I, when we came, my daughter was three years old already. So when I got pregnant, I was able to stop drinking and stop the cigarettes because mm -hmm. they're like for me, for myself, it's, we play kind of like, you know, down the road, I'll quit someday in the future, whatever. And we kind of push it. But if there's someone else involved, at least for me personally, it's a lot easier to like, wait a second. Now I'm playing with someone else's life. So as soon as I discovered that I got pregnant, that I was pregnant, I stopped with both. And I didn't do it throughout the pregnancy and throughout the time that I, that I was breastfeeding her, which I did for like a year. And then I wasn't doing none of it. As soon as I stopped breast, breast, breastfeeding her and started introducing foods and everything, I actually never got back to cigarettes because of the smell and everything. I was like, eh, you know, didn't feel it anymore. But um, alcohol, as soon as I stopped breastfeeding her, it was, you know, the tool needed again. So I went back to alcohol and it was as, as strong as it was before. And then when I started coming across meditations, I tried a whole different variety of meditations because I was very curious about it you know like I would do it and then I would notice like how much calmer I was and then I would hear about a different one and I'm like oh I want to try that one too so I was kind of like jumping around and shopping for you know meditations and I came across plant medicine meditations mm -hmm. so I did work with plant medicine to get rid of the alcohol it was phenomenal how so I want to say it was like it was all at once. It's almost like the medicine took the habit and the dependency on the alcohol out of my cells. Because when, after I did it, I would go out and, you know, go out with friends and stuff and order my, you know, usuals. And I would drink a little bit. And I'm like, why do I drink this? This is like, doesn't even taste that good. Right. And I started kind of like, my body kind of started rejecting it which was very interesting. Um, and then little by little, I was like, in very, like maybe a few weeks, I was like, can't do it anymore. And I tried very little in those few weeks and it was just tasting like 
foreign and weird. <laughs> and my body was just like, what are you doing? <laughs> so I want to say probably after I did the meditations with the plant medicine, it was a few weeks and I was just like, yeah, I'm done. I, I, I don't need this anymore. Oh, I think the listeners by now are noticing the pattern. I think you're like the third person we talked to um, this month about using plant medicine and it stopping addiction right away. So that's pretty awesome. And you know what I love about it? I know people that have gone to AA and I tried, I went with friends and it just didn't work for me because of the repetition. Hey, I'm an alcoholic. I was like, that's not the type of repetition that I think it's going to be beneficial for my cells, you know, the whole epigenetics thing. So it didn't work for me. That's why I was looking for alternative ways. And the people that I know that have stopped through AA, it can be a year, it can be 10, 20 years ago that they quit. There's still that part of them that kind of like, it needs to use the willpower. You know what I mean? That they need to like resist. They need to kind of like fight to not want it. Like if some, let's say if they lose a loved one or something like that, they're still like, oh my gosh, I might go back to it and, and have to be very watchful, I want to say. For me, with through the medicine and other people that I also know that quit addictions like this through plant medicine, it's different. It's very different. It's like a lot of things that would trigger you to go back to it, it still happens and you are just the observer. You know, you don't have that, that strong emotional attachment to the trigger, to the situation. You are just an observer. The things happen and you're like, oh, that sucks. You know, when you just work through it, but your mind really doesn't go back to, to the alcohol. I, I, I find it fascinating how different it is to get rid of it using something like plant medicine like that. Because of that, it seems like it takes the addiction off of you. Like literally, you don't have to fight it anymore. It's totally fine. I go out with people that drink. You know, my housemate has alcohol in the house. I couldn't care less. There's that huge difference than, you know, when you do the traditional way or these more alternative ways to get rid of addictions. It's probably getting to the root of the problem, why you're even thinking about it or doing it. Bingo. <laughs> all of your traumas and all of these things. Yeah. How did you get into sound therapy? Well, actually, the curiosity started with the plant medicine ceremonies because uh, they sing to you. And so there's the whole intention behind the sound to do the healing. And I was always like, I always loved music and everything, but I, I was never um, kind of like supported to explore my artistic side when I was growing up because life was a chaos. Um, but I was always like very interested. I always loved music and most people do. I checked out your music, by the way, dude, you are awesome. <laughs> it's really, really good stuff. I love it. So I was very interested and then going through ceremonies and, and um, kind of like becoming more aware of this whole intention behind the sound, you know, behind the music, the, the song that they were singing to you. I got very curious about it. And then I came across uh, people using sound, acoustic sound to, for healing, just like I was using. And to me, pretty much like 
it was the medicine with the sound that, you know, did this whole healing process for me in ceremony. So I got interested, got to research more and more, and I came across this specific method that is like tuning the biofield of the body, the electromagnetic field that we have around our body. I got super curious about it. It started like watching a whole bunch of things on it and talks and uh, workshops. And then I did the training and started doing it. I was working with people that were working with the medicine. So they were already aware of sound with intention, how the healing works, like the science behind it, the research on it. So it was easier. I was living on the other side of the country. And so I started working with it there. And then I just came to Florida and I started, um, I'm, I'm still like establishing my practice here in Florida. But yeah, that, that was pretty much the reason, like the, the, the medicine kind of got me in contact with the whole sound for healing. And that was very intriguing. The more I researched, the more I wanted to do it. And then it, it helped me to heal a variety of other things, you know, dysfunctional, like eating habits and, you know, other more subtle things after the alcohol was out more subtle things. I started healing and getting feedback from people feeling better, like mentally, you know, being able to like shift mindsets and, you know, like stories that they have been telling themselves forever. And, you know, just getting them stuck in the same, in the same place in life. You start and do, you know, we do like a few sessions and then they start noticing. And it's funny because they say the same thing that I was saying, um, the situations is still happen that used to be a trigger. And then they say, but I can just observe. I don't have to jump on anybody's throat. You know, I can just observe the situation and have a more grounded response rather than, you know, that explosive reaction that I used to have. So I love that, like that release of stress that the sound, you know, uh, allows us to do. And I saw that before within the medicine, within the, the ceremonies and the singing and everything. So I was like, I got to do something like this, dude. I got to, you know, work sound somehow. And it was awesome. Like, I love doing it. I love talking about it, sharing how it works and doing it to people. The feedback is amazing. It's so cool what it can do. Yeah, nice. I think when I first heard like sound therapy, I was thinking like the, um, the sound bowls, the Tibetan sound bowls. But when I looked at your website, I saw the tuning fork, which came into my radar like very recently. Um, uh -huh interested in that like how does that work with the tuning fork and tuning people so the the bowls are kind of like you have this sound bath that is like very relaxing and everything but I feel like from my perspective it's kind of like broad right you go and you relax and it's great the way we use the fork it's more specific like you show up with something that you want to work on and we work on that so it's like, that's the, the big difference that I see in between the two. You can be very relaxed by the end of a session, but we are working on something very specific. You know, you might be feeling depressed or anxious or like super stressed out with something. You might have like chronic pain or, you know, chronic conditions of some sort that you want to address. And so we use the input of the fork to allow the body to do its own healing because the body knows how what to do it's just the static of our environment doesn't allow the body to get there there's there's a stressor you know that that's causing the body to to manifest whatever it is that you came to work on and so when you lay on the on the massage table and you relax 
your body will listen to the sound waves of the forks and it will know how to harmonize itself using that sound from the fork to harmonize that area of imbalance, imbalance that we are working on, that there's something that is off, that is out of harmony with the balance of the whole body. That's why we say we're tuning the electromagnetic field around the body because it works all together, right? We can work on, a, on an energy center specifically like the chakras, but we are tuning the whole body because it's a whole, right? You can't really just work on one part, like um, isolating you know the others it, it doesn't work that way you are tuning the whole thing but it's like we are working on something very specific that you show up with that needs balance and there is a very high possibility of detoxing symptoms which i haven't really heard that that's a common thing with the singing bowls you know like i said it seems like it's more broad kind of like your nervous system has that relaxation from the sound but because you're not working on something truly specific I haven't heard that it's like pretty common to have the detoxing, but with the method that we do, sometimes even on the table, like in session, you can, the person starts crying or shaking. I had this person, a client of mine that is started feeling like the hands were very, like getting very um, rigid and, you know, like closing up, closing up, closing up. And there was a lot of tension that needed to be released there. So we kept working with the forks. We also work with the weighted fork that we strike and we put the vibration directly on the body. So that vibration, you can feel it coming, you know, all the way. If, if I put it on your hand, you can feel it going up your arm and you can feel it coming all the way to your heart. It's very intense vibration. So we were kept working on his hands until, you know, his, his hands released what needed to be released and relaxed again. People start crying. Uh, I had people that needed to scream. So they needed a pillow to, you know, put it on their face. And they were screaming like throughout a, a good chunk of the session. Uh, there's a lot of that can happen. Mm. Not like all the time. Some people just relax. Some people take a nap. We say that it's like your, uh, your body kind of needs you out of the way. So it gets you into napping state so that you can be out of the way because sometimes we live so much in our heads, you know, overthinking everything. And for this, it's nice to be in your body to feel what's going on, right? Be present in the body rather than just like with a traveling mind. So the body puts you to sleep and then does what needs to get done. And then you wake up in the end and you feel like super relaxed, super like a, a very different way of relaxation. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like just a nap. It's almost like it, uh, my teacher used to say, it's like you had this massage from the inside out, <laughs> <laughs> which is a very interesting way to do it. I kind of feel like that when I get sessions done to me. It's, it's quite awesome. Do you work on a particular, like when you're working with a certain issue, does it take multiple sessions depending on the issue that you're working on or do you feel um, the results immediately? Yeah, it, it can. And a lot of the times I recommend actually to work on at least a few sessions because this is such subtle energy and it's kind of like taking layers off of an onion. You know what I mean? Like we work because here's the thing. It's kind of like we talk about this with plant medicine as well. If you come for one healing and like everything that needs to be dismantled about your, you know, your constructs and, you know, all these stories and all that stuff, it's all dismantled at once, you lose your identity. You know what I mean? Like by the end of the session, you're kind of like lost. Like, who are you? If you get rid of all those stories that are not serving you anymore and all this stuff that you're carrying, like all at once, 
You know what I mean? It would be just like too devastating for you to pick up the pieces of, you know, just the truth of who you are, because we carry so much. There's so much stories that we tell ourselves that it's just like our own constructs, you know, it's not really like the light being that we are within like pure and perfect and whole and that's it <laughs> so if we take it all out all at the same time you just lose it so we it, it we work on it in layers you know to be manageable so that you can integrate you know like so with plant medicine it's the case of like if you do too much plant medicine and then you can you get into that mind state that is overwhelming you know so that's not a good experience like how do you integrate such thing so working in layers like this you have time in between the sessions to integrate you know one thing was eliminated one thing was disturbed per se was shifted so you have some time to get used to that you know new version of yourself like i work with a client that is getting rid of this attachment on being a husband. You know, this happens to us all the time. We get attached to where we are in life. And then, you know, something happens that changes that and we kind of lose who we are, right? So this person, like, she's the wife, he's the husband. And it's been like this for many, many, many years. And then they break apart and they get a divorce. And then those people don't know who they are anymore because it's like, well, now that I'm not a wife, who am I? Now that I'm not a husband, who am I, right? We get so like identified with the stages of our lives. And so when you come and you kind of like, you start messing around with some sort of block of energy that you have in there, you need some time to before you, you get into another session to release that energy, to integrate the learning, you know, to get used to this new version of yourself without that block of energy that you are carrying around. And then you come for another session, we work on something else, you know, so layer by layer, you start kind of like coming back into yourself, like into alignment with, like I said, the light being that you are within. So a lot of the times they do notice like big results after one session, they notice like big things, big shifts, and a lot of the times it's very subtle. They just notice like, well, I feel pretty calm, you know, and then the next day they're still calm. The next day, still calm. And, and this for them was kind of unusual. You know, they're kind of like stressed out people or nervous or, you know, worried. And then they notice like they kind of dropped that, you know, they, they, they kept the calmness for some time. And then you come back again you release something else. And then with the time on doing sessions on a regular basis, I would say, you notice how calm you are. There's nothing really that's going to happen in your environment that's going to trigger you. You're going to have that grounded response rather than the explosive reaction that, you know, it, it's usual when you are carrying stress. Yeah. It's, I'm sorry, go ahead. No. I'm just thinking as certain things, even just as a musician and how, you know, certain stress level works, um, even with dealing with the tuning forks there, are they tuned at certain um, vibrations? Yeah. Okay. So we have frequencies. Yeah. Okay, frequencies. Yeah. Yeah. frequencies. We have the Schumann uh, frequency, which is the same as the electromagnetic field of the earth itself. So we do re get really connected to nature, to the earth, as we do this work, we have the Fibonacci which is like, they say the fabric of the universe. So yes, it is different. And they are like uh, tuned specifically to work in a certain way. 
So it's like you could try to use tuning forks that you might have, just like like I was talking about the bowls, right? The, the singing bowls. You could use for that relaxation type, which is awesome. You know, whose nervous system doesn't need some relaxation, you know? But for the specifics that I'm talking about, you got to know what you're doing to be able to direct the energy in that way and to be able to notice because it's like we notice when the fork changes behavior when the body is asking for more input in that area so we need to keep striking the fork and holding it in a certain way in a certain area and if you don't learn how to observe the behavior of the fork you are just going to be you know kind of like moving them around kind of like aimlessly and then i don't know like if you could achieve this kind of result that is very specific very aimed into something okay so what are some of the examples of things that people or most a lot of common things that you see people coming to you to kind of deal with with using the tuning method? Mm -hmm. So losing weight because it's like and here's the thing people come and it's kind of like they have the mentality of like we're going to work um, on this behavior that I have. Right. So let's say lose weight. Uh, work on the way I eat and, and that kind of stuff. It's not really how it works. It's like the way, the, the thing that we were talking about with the plant medicine, with my addiction to alcohol. Your behavior, it's not the root of the problem. Your behavior is the symptom of something that's going on. So we got to go deeper than that. Where is the root of you eating in that way and then getting weight? right so we don't work on the behavior we work on the roots so there's a lot of work on the mental on the mindset to shift mindset and to achieve the the, the results that they came looking for so they come looking for loss lose of weight kind of like reprogramming their their way of relating to food you know to have a healthier relationship to food and then there's chronic pain. Chronic pain, it's like a very common thing because they hear that, you know, you can't really release pain that you've been carrying for like years. So there's a lot of chronic pain. Um, sleep, insomnia. It's one of the first things that we notice, like when we finish a session and we ask the client, what do you notice? And they say like, I feel lighter. I feel like I have dropped, you know, something that I was carrying. I feel my body, it's kind of like a different type of energy that I can just move around kind of like gracefully, which to me, it's like the most beautiful thing to hear. Imagine you go and you have a session and then you feel more graceful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, and this fact that they say, I feel light, I feel a lot lighter and I feel like I am light. And this is what it is. One thing that we talk about, it's like the sessions help your cells to remember, to remember how they were created. We are light beings. Look at this, we eat sunshine. The plants are eating that sunshine, observing it, and then we get it out of the plants. And then it creates energy for us to have the energy, right? That's why we eat, because we need energy. We're eating like solar energy. So it's like, when you do a session like this and your cells remember, oh my gosh, I'm like a sunshine. And then you feel lighter. They say this, I feel like I'm a light. <laughs> it, it's so beautiful to see. They cry after the session. <laughs> it's so cute. But um, mental stuff, they show up. They show up with feelings like depression, even like suicidal ideation we work with, um, anxiety. There's a lot of anxiety and stress that show up. But then again, 
we have to dig to get there because they come complaining about something else, but that's just the symptom of the stress that is underlying everything, of the anxiety that is underlying everything. And a lot of the times they have no idea that the root of that that we are working with, it's rooted in childhood. So they come thinking that, you know, it's this thing that I have going on right now as an adult, I'm going to work on. No, it's not. <laughs> we're going to work on the root of that when it started out there in the childhood. And so we're going to kind of break the pattern that you have created that is creating this that you show up now asking for help with. Like I said, like lose weight or, you know, the stress, the anxiety. There's a lot of mental stuff that, that people show up like wanting to work it out. even like I'm talking about this client, like to kind of like be, be at peace with not being a husband anymore. You know, so it's like there was, there's a variety of, of different things that people work on. Uh, women come and, and they kind of don't know really. They're like, I feel disconnected. I feel lost. I feel this and that. And sometimes, you know, it's causing depression or anxiety, whatever. And then they start working on, they notice that it's like they, for some reason, um, childhood most of the time they had to shut down their femininity they didn't feel safe to express their femininity they had to sh shove it down shut down and so this is what's working on now the forks help the body to kind of like reflourish that femininity and and you know the person now is feel safe and okay to express that femininity and then those things that they came to work on dissipate doesn't exist anymore because we worked on the root of whatever was going on. But it's a variety of things that they show up. The sleep cycle is one of the things that they say when you check in next day. How's it going and stuff? Oh my gosh, I had a night's sleep that I haven't had in 20 years. <laughs> so there's a lot of uh, digestive system also. You know, they come if they're having problems, you know, with digestive system. Because they see on our websites that, you know, like we work on those things. That every cycle of the body, get, because it's whole energy flowing, right? So anything that is a cycle, a sleep cycle, dig digestive cycle it all comes back into balance and then they say like oh my gosh like my belly now my stomach is just like calm and i can eat and everything works fine so yeah it's all over the place because i mean it's the whole body it's the whole system around the body seems like everything stems from childhood do you work with uh young people as well or just mostly um adults yeah yeah, I started actually when I was doing the training, I was doing on my daughter to, to you know, go through the process and everything. So yeah, it, it works just fine with, with children too. And it's nice uh, with children, the focus. There's a lot of titles now in school, right? With a bunch of letters that the kids can't pay attention and all that, which to me, it's a whole different story because to me, it's like we're forcing all the kids to be the same, to sit on the chair and pay attention. And the dancer want to get up and dance and the singer wants to get up and sing and the kids are different, right? So I homeschool my daughter because of that. But anyways, it helps a lot with focus, you know, with more like groundedness. Uh, you talk with a kid that is grounded there's nothing more beautiful in this world, you know, like that it's not like all over the place or even depression, anxiety, because the numbers of anxiety and depression and suicidal ideation in younger and younger and younger kids, it's been like monstrous. It's, it's, it's scaring me. So I do work with kids and I appreciate the opportunity to work with kids, get them more, you know, grounded. And I feel like afterwards they're more content, you know, with life, with just the way it is. It's, it's fine. <laughs> 
So how do you like Florida? Hmm. I do like Florida. The weather is pretty similar than in Brazil. Um, I lived in Boston, which was nice because I got to see all the seasons and everything. I did enjoy that because, again, like I said, the snow was new. You know, everything was so new. So I enjoyed that for some years. And then Seattle was a little bit harder to get used to because this thing that I'm talking about with the sunshine, I have a, a very intense, deep love relationship to the sun, <laughs> with the sun. Yeah. And so being in Seattle, it was harder to adapt. It's gorgeous, though. It's like because it rains so much, there's a lot of green everywhere, which I love. But I noticed that I was starting feeling a little bit depressed, like a lot of people that I know there feel, you know, the weather wait. Yeah. So coming to Florida after Seattle, it's like... <laughs> kind of like that deep breath you know that you can finally take so i do like it here i i appreciate the weather absolutely very much <laughs> is there a pretty big um client community that's there for what you do so i'm building it now because like i said i just came a few months ago okay. however it's surprising to me how much people here don't know as much about the process as the people knew when i was out in seattle I feel, I don't know if it's like medicine community is bigger there. A lot of people go to Peru, go, you know, somewhere to South America to do medicine. And so it seems like they're more aware of the sound healing. When I say I'm a sound healer, I'm a sound therapist to a lot of people here, it's kind of that question, like, what is that? And I'm like, wow, I, I would love to share with you, but I'm just like surprised that they, they, didn't come over come across it yet so i'm building it's it's still but however i do sessions at, at the distance because it works just as well okay. i trade with friends of mine i trade with a friend in california i trade with friends like all over the place and we do it at a distance and it works just as well we feel the energy flowing through our bodies we feel the the release the emotional release the physical release we notice like detoxing the next few days so it works just as well so that's what keeps me going. Like I do a lot of um, at a distance and then building more on, on the community where I am here. Okay. Have you spent any time in um, California? We're in Los Angeles. We're in downtown LA. Yeah. That's funny because I'm flying there on the 30th of this month for the first time. I'm going to spend a couple of weeks there training. I'm doing neurofeedback. I'm going to put it together with my sound healing. So I'm training at a distance to do neurofeedback. And then I'm going by the end of this month for a few weeks to do more of the deeper training in person. And then when I come back, I'm going to start offering in person and at a distance to do uh, neurobiofeedback, bio neurofeedback. It's fascinating. I'm loving it. What is that? I've never heard of it. Okay. You do the cap with all the electrodes to measure your brain activity. And then you compare the brain activity to a database that they have, like your age, you know, your gender, whatever it is that they are trying to calculate. And then they see which areas of the brain that needs to be retrained. Um, like, you know, if you have a lot of trauma when you were a kid, you retrain maybe the amygdala for anxiety or, you know, <clears throat> fear. So comparing your brain activity to the data they know which areas of the body to work on to retrain so that you can work on whatever it is that you're working on be it depression anxiety stress focus whatever it is 
and then they create a protocol. I'm working with a couple of friends that I have out there. That's why I'm going to California. They are neuroscientists and psychologists. So they create a protocol to retrain your brain. So you use the cap again, you do several sessions using the cap and watching this um, software program that will retrain your brain. So it rewards the brain when it's working properly, you know, calmer in that area that you are retraining and you make the screen, you know, go darker when the brain is getting agitated in the area. So that retrains that area of the brain for you to release whatever it is that you are working on. Like I said, you can work on a variety of different things, focus, ADHD, depression, anxiety, stress, and then it retrains the brain to become calmer in that, in that area. It's so cool. That's amazing. Awesome. I know it is kind of soon. Usually we'll say, you know, if you're ever in Los Angeles, feel free to stop by for an in-studio session. So it's up to you if you want to stop by, even though I know it's kind of soon. But yeah, maybe we could. I, can, I have to see how busy I'm going to be. I'm going to be in Santa Barbara. Uh, it's kind of close, right? Yeah, a couple of hours. Yeah. A couple hours. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, yeah. I gotta see how busy I'm gonna. I'm gonna be. It would be fun though to come in person and do another one. That'd be nice. Yes, yeah. we had our. Was it second or first? Uh, I think it was first. Yeah, first return, and but he actually came in, so he was a second time, but he came physically. So we there you go. Our- Just like it would be for me if I can stop by. That'd be great. And being my first time in California too, that'd be so fun. Yeah. yeah. So we're in. Yeah, the- let's see. Maybe it works. <laughs> and I was going to ask for our listeners, um, how does it? How what are the, like the rates usually for um, if they're interested in getting like um, a session? Or, mm-hmm. Usually on your sites or things like that. So, like I said, I try to motivate people to do at least three sessions, you know, in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't have to be like right away. You can even do once a month if you want. I would say do closer like once a week or every other week for the beginner for the beginning to kind of like you start with the heaviest things that we're working through so if the person gets a package on my website for three sessions they are 100 each but then if you want to just experiment and do just one i charge 120 for each session separate like that and it's kind of like around the, the, the price that I see my peers charging as well. The kind of like irrelevant where you are in the country because we do a lot of sessions at the distance. So I would say it's pretty much, you know, around that that range. Okay, because I know they do it with um, a few of uh, the yoga um, sessions that they have out here mm-hmm. in California. So it's really big, like I said, even comparing it to, you know, if it's big in certain places. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, yeah and we do group sessions too. They also work very well. It seems like the the whole process becomes like <clears throat> we call it like it's almost like a spirit, our creator, God, the universe puts together to work on the area that everybody will benefit the most in the group session. So if we have like 10 people, it's like it, it turns out that we work on an area that is beneficial for all 10. Even if like one of them showed up, you know, thinking that 
their problem was in another area of the body or mind or whatever, it ends up that the area that we work on when we have a group session, it's beneficial for everybody in the group. It's, it's very fascinating. And we do group sessions at the distance, we do it in person, and then it gets easier. Like some people charge like 20 bucks a person, 30 bucks a person, some people 10 bucks a person, depending on, you know, how big of a group you have. So it kind of varies. It's, there's ways to do it. You know, if you are curious about it, and you were interested in like checking it out, there's ways to do it that, you know, makes it easy. Okay. Yeah. Appreciate you sharing that with us. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And before we get ready to close out, could you definitely let us know where they can um, find your website and we'll have links and everything before, but you can let them know about new projects that you're working on and where they can find you and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So my website is Mayara Souza, Mayara-Souza. Uh, and you are going to find everything there. There's links to all my social media. All the stuff that I'm working on is, is in there. The email, if you want to reach out, is lovemayarasouza uh, at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, the projects, it's just like establishing my practice in Florida now. It's still working with the clients that I have, you know, all over the place that I do at a distance. And now I'm excited about the newer feedback. As soon as I'm done, I'm going to implement them together, work on them together. And then there's other projects that are a little bit more down the road. I put this program together, uh, working on all these tools that I have talked about that I use on my own healing. Uh, meditation, gratitude, journaling, intention, mindfulness. I put together a program of 12 weeks for youth, but then I'm readapting it for just about anybody, for adults as well. And I'm in process of recording and putting it together, putting the, the download material together. And I'm going to offer it in my website in the course format for 12 weeks. So I'm working on that one and then writing a book on you know, everything that has happened to me in my childhood, all the healing process, all the tools that I used and all of that, which, like I said, it's more down the road because all this stuff that I'm doing for now, it's keeping me very busy. So I'm not really like active on the book right now, but there's, you know, some chapters done, the, the structure is done. So I'm very excited about that one too, when it finally, you know, comes to life. But yeah, it's, it's always about, you know, now I want to do more podcasts because I noticed the need for people to get more explanation on how the method works. And especially now that I'm implementing neurofeedback to it, I feel like the more I can talk about it, get, you know, in front of the most people, people have access to it. They know it's a thing. It's very beneficial. It's easy, non-intrusive, you know, like doesn't do anything to your body. And uh, it, it actually helps you release the stuff that was put into your body, you know, toxins and, and all that environmental toxins, you really release those. People have a lot of detoxing symptoms when they are releasing a lot of those. So I feel like for me now is to be in front of as many people as I can, you know, being in podcasts and, you know, getting the word out so that people know that this is a thing, you know, very beneficial, very easy to do, very smooth work. And, you know, try to help as many people as I can to heal as I've been doing myself. And we're really glad you brought some of that knowledge to our podcast because we love alternative methods of healing here. Yes. And it's been an amazing conversation. Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. One more question, because since you brought up the topic of books on um, that's one of the things I noticed on your site. Uh, can you, for the listeners looking to improve their life or just some books you like recommending to people 
if there are um, one or two books you'd like to recommend. Oh my gosh, I love books. Like I have a huge list on my website. <laughs> so your list. That's why. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. And I read like cool stuff, you know, that I recommend to people. And they're like, oh yeah, I really enjoy that one. So I would say one of the ones that I work with the most on when I'm working with clients is A Course in Miracles. I absolutely love, love, love that book. It really helped me, like we were talking about earlier with the ego, to be able to discern you know, when the ego is kind of like creeping in and kind of like influencing my behavior. And when I'm more in alignment with my, you know, higher self with spirit and, and just like listening, what is for the good of all, you know, for the, the greatest good of all. So it really helps to keep my mind kind of like grounded in that sense. So I highly recommend for you to check it out. It can be a complex book if it's the first time you came across it, but I would say try again, you know, maybe give it a couple of days and stuff and read another part again and try again. I came across it several times until I decided to really sit and study it because the language can be like, ah, I'm not sure if I'm following these and stuff, but I would say stick with it because it can like transform your life. You know, you are able to catch the ego before you do stuff that you might regret later. And um, another one that the guy, I actually, I feel like he took the teachings from A Course in Miracles and he wrote this one that's called uh, Radical Forgiveness. Have you guys heard of it? I feel no, like I I've heard of it recently. Yeah. Oh my gosh. After I finished, I was like, this is another one that I got to put on top of my list. It's just like fascinating how he explains how you know, the things that happen with us in our lives, the, the relationships that we manifest and everything, they are all perfection. They were all chosen for, like, we chose to be here together with the people that triggered the heck out of us. <laughs> because those are the ways that we are here to heal. We are here to grow from those experiences. And a lot of the relationships that we manifest as adults they are just mirroring to us what needs to be healed from childhood so it's like they're playing out this person that we might call them an asshole you know like oh these things that they do that piss me off and stuff they're just playing out beliefs that you are carrying with yourself that you deserve such thing so you must look within yourself to shift those beliefs from childhood and the person's behavior transforms right in front of your eyes. And I've done the exercises of like forgiving and just letting go, letting everybody be who they are, do what they will and just be fine with it. And I watch their behavior transform right in front of my eyes. They never do anymore the thing that used to trigger me. Why? Because I learned. I learned what they were trying to teach me by behaving in such way. As soon as I let it go, forgive, let them be who they are, they don't do it anymore. So to me, it was like a fascinating book. I recommend it like all the time. I absolutely love it. Besides like, you know, getting to understand the Bible better because man, the teachings in that book are fascinating. I was studying the history behind the Bible and it was just like blowing my mind. So I like the classics like that. You know, I do study the Bible and get to learn from it, from the stories and everything. Yeah, Curse and Miracles. Oh my gosh, I could talk about books like forever. <laughs> okay, great recommendation. You definitely sold it for me. <laughs> I like that. I love it. Well, we definitely appreciate your time and consideration and having a wonderful conversation with us on the podcast. We'd like to thank our guests. 
our whole um i'm sorry yeah our host as well uh, <laughs> our listeners supporters our donators subscribers followers all of the above and for the podcast you can find us at americangypsy.com and you can find consistent self-improvement merch at luamlee.com and we also have music at under classic carpenter k-l-a-c-c-i-k-c-a-r-p-e-n-t-a on Apple Music, Spotify, uh, YouTube, Title, all major platforms, um, some instrumental stuff, some cello stuff, and also some vocal stuff. Again, thank you for the compliment on the music. Yes. <laughs> and consistent self improvement to everyone. And peace. peace.